privilege. Okay, today we are in the final part of our preaching series called Hidden Figures. Looking at the hidden figures in the Easter story, some of the lesser known characters and the role that they played in the Easter story. So far, we've looked at Judas Iscariot. We've looked at Simon of Cyrene. We've looked at Pilate. We've looked at Barabbas. We looked at Joseph of Arimathea. And today, we're going to finish our series by looking at Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is a real example and a challenge to each one of us. She was the first person there on the Easter Sunday morning. And she's so often misunderstood and misrepresented. We're going to read the first part of the resurrection story from John's Gospel, um, chapter 20 and verse 1 to 10. It will come up on the screen or you can follow on your Bible or your phone or however you may be reading the scriptures. But I'm going to read the first part of the Easter Sunday morning story, John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Just one thing to pause here. I don't know if you ever thought about the stone being rolled away. Why was the stone rolled away by the angel? Because it wasn't to let Jesus out. In case you hadn't thought about this, the reason the stone was rolled away was not so that Jesus could get out because Jesus had a resurrected body. He could go through walls. He could go through doors. He went through his burial clothes. That wasn't the issue. So why, why was the stone rolled away? It was rolled away to let Peter and John into the tomb. The stone was rolled away to let the world in to the joy of the resurrection. Let's read on. So Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. That's John who's writing this. You know, he's saying, look, I beat you, Peter. (laughs) I'm faster runner than you. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. They still did not fully understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Okay, we're going to focus on Mary, Mary Magdalene. Mary, an example, and Mary, a challenge. I'm going to give you two ways in which Mary is an example to us and two ways in which she is such a challenge to us. The first, number one, Mary is a picture of grace. I wonder if you were asked, it's not a trick question, but I wonder if you were asked, what do you know about Mary Magdalene? How would you answer? Because church tradition has got things modeled over the years. You see, many attribute Mary Magdalene 
to be a prostitute or a harlot, of which she was not. Many attribute her to be the woman who broke the alabaster jar of perfume over Jesus' feet, of which she was not. Mary Magdalene, Magdalene is purely where she was from. She was from Magdala in Israel. And we read about her in Luke's gospel, chapter 8 and verse 1 to 3. We'll just read. This is where we hear of Mary Magdalene. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Mary is a picture of God's grace because Mary was a woman who was possessed by seven demons and yet was set free. Now, we can't really imagine what that would have been like. But for Mary, it would have been something wretched, something where she was in a depraved state, where she was desolate, where she lived in solitude, where she lived away from the rest of society. She would have been kind of this outcast where she was thought to be a danger to herself and to others. She would have been considered a maniac, and she would have been an unhappy victim of these malicious demons. Her life, Mary's life, until she met Jesus, was a lost cause. It was a helpless mess. People could do nothing for her. Drugs didn't work. Medicines didn't work. The loving friend, that didn't make a difference. She was a victim of a satanic influence in the most fearful of ways, and not just once, but sevenfold. Now, in Mark's gospel, in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, and in there, the resurrection account, verse 9, listen to how Mark talks about Mary and about the resurrection. It says, verse 9, Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. You see, the gospel writers are telling us that Mary is this trophy of grace. That, that Mary's history and Mary's life is a picture of the sovereign grace of God. Jesus saw and found Mary. Jesus cast out her demons. Jesus healed her with a word. Jesus changed her. She went from being this kind of splattered lot, crazed eyes, distraught figure to one in their right mind and made whole, knowing that they were loved by God. The first person who was at the tomb, the first person who was seen in a minute who met the resurrected Jesus is a picture of God's grace. It's like Jesus is saying to you, look, no one is beyond God's reach. No one is beyond God's power. And look at what Jesus does. Jesus changes lives. He changed Mary's life. He can change your life. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus does. And in Luke, where we just read verse 3, what does Mary then do? After Jesus has cast out, 
the seven demons, what, is, what does she do? She becomes a follower of Jesus. She devotes her life to Jesus. She and the other women actually help financially support Jesus and his ministry. You see, that's what happens when grace touches us, when Jesus changes us, when we realize what Jesus has done for us, then it changes everything. It changed Mary's life. She wanted to give everything in return. So the history of Mary, of who she was, the history of Mary is a picture of God's grace. Second thing, where Mary is an example to us, is that Mary is a picture of devotion. You see, in light of what Jesus had done in her life, I want you to notice a few things that sometimes get forgotten. She was the first person at the tomb. She was there while it was still dark. Some commentators say that might have been between four and five in the morning, knowing how early the sun rises in that part of the world. She was there before dark. She would have known that there was this obstacle of a stone. She would have known that there was all the prejudice around being a woman, and yet she didn't let that hinder her, and she went to the tomb. She was there by choice. Have you ever thought of this? Mary was at the tomb by choice. Peter and John were only there because Mary ran to get them. Otherwise, they would have been in bed or they may have come later or who knows. But Mary was the one who was there by choice and then went to get them. And Mary was also there in the tough times. Mary was there at the foot of the cross. Mary was there on Good Friday. Peter wasn't there. James wasn't there. Andrew wasn't there. But Mary was there at the foot of the cross. Mary followed Jesus in the testing times. I love the little phrase, everyone brings it out on Good Friday. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You know, I love that. It's brilliant. But you know what? Mary didn't know that. On Friday, Mary didn't know that Sunday was going to be this day of transformation, this day quiet, faithful devotion, which is why, as we'll see in a minute when we read the second half of the story, that it was Mary, not Peter and John, who first saw with their own eyes the resurrected Lord. And let me tell you, some of you here today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you and tell you that Jesus sees your devotion. He sees your devotion to him in season and out of season. He is looking when no one else is. He sees that you persevere, that you don't give up, that you are there when you are feeling rough or there is a storm going on in your life. He sees it. 
He sees it. And for some other of you, I want to tell you that Mary, Mary is our true picture of Christian discipleship. Mary embodies what it's like to follow Jesus. That there are highs, that there are breakthroughs, there are miracles, and then there are also tough times and difficult times where we persevere and we are faithful. So Mary is a great example. She is an example and a picture of grace, and she is a picture of devotion. Let's read the second half of the resurrection in John's gospel. We're going to read verses 11 to 19. There are two chapters. to her. Okay. Two challenges that Mary gives us. Firstly, it's all about Jesus. Now, there is a great deal of evidence for the resurrection. You know, Jesus was a historical figure. Every religion, whether it be Islam, Judaism, Any religion on this planet agrees that Jesus lived and walked this earth and died on the cross or died at some point around at which Christians believe he died. The the, the challenge is around the resurrection. Now, with the resurrection, if it is not true, then you have to produce a body. No body of Jesus Christ has ever been produced. And if you look into all the different scenarios... All of them have huge gaping holes within them of which none make sense. So then there is the jump of faith still to believe that Jesus did come back to the life three days later. The point is that the resurrection demands a reaction. And listen to this. I love, I read around this quite a lot this week. And it was very interesting that the commentators making a differentiation here between Peter and John who saw things, okay? They saw the empty tomb. They saw the stone rolled away. They, they saw the folded grave clothes, and they believed. They saw evidence, and they believed. They saw the evidence for the resurrection, and they believed. But Mary, oh, Mary, 
Mary's different. Because what does Mary do? She presses on for Jesus. She presses on for the person of Jesus Christ. It's like the evidence is not good enough for her. She wants to see her risen Lord and Savior. Verse 11, she stays behind while Peter and John go back to say the tomb's empty. There's evidence. Jesus is alive. We don't understand it, but he's alive. Mary, though, she stays. She stays in the garden. She stays because she wants to see Jesus. Well, she doesn't know that, but that's what she is doing. She has a heart for Jesus. She wants him and him alone. I love the fact that Mary's not surprised to see two angels. She's not surprised. There's no, in the text, there's no suggestion that she is surprised to see two angels in the tomb. And it's interesting, isn't it, that there were angels at Christmas declaring on the hillside in Luke chapter 2 to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. Jesus is born. And here on Easter Sunday in the tomb, there are angels celebrating glory to God. Death has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. Now, verse 13, Mary says to the angels, they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have put him. Him. For Mary, this is personal. This is all about Jesus. (laughs) You know, it's like Mary says, what good are some angels? I want to see Jesus. What good is a few people in white sheets? I want to see Jesus. I wonder. I wonder. Are we too easily wowed by the things of God when we really should be pressing on to see Jesus. That's why for me, Mary is such a challenge. It's like she doesn't take on board the the good little things of life, the good evidence of the resurrection, the evidence that God is at work. No, she pushes on for Jesus himself. Then she turns around and doesn't realize that it is Jesus there. Why doesn't she realize? Maybe it was still early in the morning and misty. Maybe she had tears in her eyes. Maybe Jesus deliberately concealed himself or or probably, most likely, his resurrected body looked very different to his body that he'd spent the last 30 years in. We don't know why, but she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. And Jesus asked her a question. He says, why are you weeping and who are you looking for? Isn't it Jesus so so gentle, so tender? He doesn't say, oh, man, it's me. Come on, it's me. He doesn't do that. Ask the question. Why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Jesus is so tender, so gentle. He's like leading us to a point of understanding, a point of revelation. And Mary says again, and listen, verse 15, it shows that she is all about Jesus. They've carried him away. Where have they put him? How will I get to him? What she is interested in is Jesus. And then verse 16, Jesus says very simply, Mary. Jesus says her name in Aramaic, which is basically the language of Galilee. It's like he says it for me, being an Eastender, in Cockney slang. Mark, all right, Mark. It's like Jesus says that. Oh, recognize it in my dialect. 
I was gonna no, should I no, I was gonna say it's like it's Jen it said it's Jen's name in Scottish. Okay, Jen. You know, it's like she'd recognize. She'd recognize uh, that was a bad idea or not. But anyway, stick with the cockney, stick with the cockney, kick stick with the cockney. She heard her own name. And the calling of her name meant she went from ignorance to knowledge. She went from sorrow to joy. John 10 verse 3 says that Jesus' sheep know, recognize his voice. They recognize the voice of their heavenly shepherd. And, you know, we could dig here for ages, but, you know, it's a high, high distinction in the Bible when God calls someone's name. At the burning bush, God calls Moses, Moses, as he is to go and lead God's people, Israel, to set free from the Pharaoh. Here, here, God is saying, Jesus is saying, Mary, Mary, Mary. You see, Christianity is about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus knows your name. You can feel like the loneliest person in the world. You can feel like no one gets you or understands you. But Jesus knows your name. And when we make our lives about Jesus, we hear his voice. We hear the voice of our Savior. We don't always recognize his voice because we're distracted. We're we're busy. We're looking elsewhere. We're consumed with the things of this world. But Jesus is speaking. He is calling your name. And Jesus always rewards those who seek him. I'm so challenged by Mary that she was different to Peter and John because she went after Jesus. She went after the very person of Jesus Christ, her Lord and Savior, who had transformed her life. By, by, by casting out the demons, making her life have purpose and meaning, she was transformed. So she wanted to say, Jesus, where are you? My life is all about you. That's the first challenge. And then finally, the second challenge that Mary gives us is to go and tell the good news. Mary grabbed hold of Jesus and didn't want to let him go. She found Jesus. She was, he, Jesus was there. Oh, Jesus, let's just spend an day together. I want to be at your feet. I, I love you. I thought you were dead. Now you're alive. Jesus, Jesus, you're here. Jesus, you're here. She, she wanted Jesus all to herself. And Jesus says, Mary, now I want you to go. Now I want you to go. And Mary was the first missionary. Not Paul, great as he was, but Mary. Mary was the first missionary this side of the cross to begin a new era, to tell people about the resurrected Jesus. You see, if you're a Christian here today, once you have met with the living Savior, Jesus Christ, there is a responsibility upon each one of us to go and tell others the good news. To be heralds of the good news, of the gospel. To share and tell what the Lord has done. That's what Mary would have done. She would have been telling people, Jesus, you know, I, I, I used to be full of demons and my life was a mess. And, but Jesus transformed me. 
She would share her testimony, share her life of what Jesus had done. That's what we're called to do, to share our testimony, whether incredible or whether just I believed and now I'm following Jesus and I love him and he is the best thing in my life. Whether, whether relatively straightforward or, or, or hugely dramatic, it doesn't matter, but we're to share what Jesus has done. One person said the definition of evangelism, which is telling people about Jesus, is one beggar telling another where to get food. Telling someone where the banquet of heaven is. Where to know that you are loved, that you are special, that you have a plan and a purpose in your life. It's like Jesus said, look, you've got it, I'm alive. You've got it, Mary. Now go and tell. Now go and tell others. And for us as believers, our responsibility on this earth is to be sharing the good news with others, that Jesus is alive. One other little interesting point I didn't realize until looking and studying this week was verse 17, where Jesus says to Mary, he says to her in verse 17, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brother's. And say to them, that word brothers there is the first time that Jesus uses that. Up until then, in the Gospels, Jesus has talked about friends and servants and disciples. But now he says, brothers and sisters. Now he says, go and tell people. Go and tell others that you can be part of the family of God. Go and tell people that, you know what, Jesus loves you and wants to adopt you into his family to be a brother and sister in Christ. Go and tell. Go and tell. It's a challenge to us as believers. It's not optional. Jesus doesn't make it optional. It's what we're called to do, to be obedient to Jesus to share our lives and what Jesus has done in our lives, to share in word, to share in deed, to share the truth of the resurrection. What a challenge Mary is to us, to go and tell the good news of Jesus. I'm going to conclude our message for this morning. Mary Magdalene is an astonishing woman of God. A beautiful example of God's grace and God's devotion played out in someone's life in the good times and the bad times. And she's a huge challenge. What is my life all about? Is it about the things of God or is it about Jesus? Am I going to be like Mary? And go and tell others that Jesus is alive. That Jesus has conquered death. That Jesus is the one who was and is and is to come. An example and a challenge. Ben, could you come up, Jonathan and Adama and Emily? In a moment, we're going to sing a final song together. We're going to celebrate a song which talks about the Easter resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we do that, I just want to pray for us. I want to pray. And my two prayers are this. 
I want to pray for those of you who are Christians to be encouraged and challenged by the story of Mary. And then I secondly want to give an opportunity, if you are not a Christian yet, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning, Easter Sunday, is a wonderful opportunity to put your faith and your trust in Jesus for the first time. He will transform you. He will let you be a son, a daughter of the Most High and demonstrate his incredible love for you. Let's stand, if you may. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a final song to close our morning together. Let's pray. Before we encourage and challenge one another, I just want to give an opportunity. If you think, ah, I'd love to find out some more about Jesus. I'd love to find out about the resurrection and the difference that Jesus can make in my life. Then two suggestions. Sign up to the Alpha course that Felix made. It's a great opportunity to ask questions and find out more about the Christian faith. Or secondly, you can respond now. You can respond to the prayer I'm going to pray. You can pray it yourself and come and speak to me or someone you came with afterwards and say, yeah. I say yes, Jesus. I say yes to you. Let me pray. A simple prayer of commitment to Jesus. Jesus, I know that I have fallen short. I know that my life is not perfect. But I believe that you went to the cross. You died in my place. Three days later, you rose again, defeating death, dealing with my sin once and for all. And I say yes this morning to Jesus Christ. I say yes this morning to Jesus being my Lord and my Savior. If you prayed that for the first time, do come and speak to me afterwards. Do speak to someone you came with. We would love to give you a Bible. We'd love to talk to you some more. Jesus transforms lives. Transformed Mary Magdalene's life. Transformed my life. Transformed Grace and Jacob's life. Jesus transforms and changes lives. Now, just before we sing, I want to pray for many of us who are Christians. I want to pray an encouragement and a challenge over you as we go out on this Easter Sunday. Again, if you're part of Hope Church, it's something I often suggest, but you don't have to. If you want to open your hands in front of Jesus, it's a sign that you're going to receive. Because everything as Christians we have is we receive it from Christ. We receive it from Jesus. I'm going to pray an encouragement and a challenge over you that you would receive this encouragement and you would receive this challenge this Easter Sunday. Father God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to pray an encouragement over them 
that those who have been faithful and persevered in tough times, in silent times, in times when no one else has been watching, I want to pray, Lord Jesus, a great encouragement upon them. The Lord sees. The Lord saw Mary Magdalene's devotion. The Lord sees your devotion. He sees it. You are not alone. He sees when you make the right decision when no one else does. He sees when you choose righteousness and not the world. He sees. I want you to be encouraged in your persevering. I want you to be encouraged in your faithfulness. This Easter Sunday, take great encouragement from Mary Magdalene. She was there at the cross, but she was there at the tomb. And because of her perseverance, she met the living Lord Jesus Christ, the first human being to meet the resurrected Jesus. The Lord rewards perseverance. Not always in the way we think, not always in 2 plus 2 equals 4, but the Lord rewards perseverance. Many of you, you're a bit beaten down, a bit weary. Just hear the Lord rewards your faithfulness. He rewards your perseverance. That's an encouragement. And now a challenge. Just receive this challenge as we close. Father God, I pray, I pray that you would challenge us afresh to be all about Jesus. As we go from here into our weeks, many of us go back to work on Tuesday, back to school, back to university. Would you help us to be about Jesus, number one? Not let the things of God crowd us, but be about Jesus first and foremost. And Lord, two, would you challenge us to be heralds of the word, to be heralds of the good news like Mary Magdalene. Holy Spirit, help us to share you in word and in deed with those around us. We want all to come to know the transforming power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we receive, Lord Jesus, that encouragement and that challenge this morning. In Jesus' name.